0: All right, this is about the fifth time I've recorded this little intro here and redone it. As y'all can tell, I'm under the weather, so I haven't been really happy with any of them, but that's okay. This one right here is going to be it, and we're going to go with it. We got back from NWTF last week, and that's when I got sick. And I've been battling this head cold for about three or four days now, And uh, but it's all right because turkey season is fast approaching right now everybody's getting ready to hunt turkeys in florida and today on the episode we got dave owens as he's headed down to florida himself um we talk about a pile of stuff in this one we talk about calling to the birds getting set up on them how he gets set up set up on the turkeys hunting on public land just a pile of stuff man and dave is Dave's a real good Real great dude. He um, he knows his way around the tree or two. He's killed turkeys in all 49 states. He's won the grand nationals. He's just, I think he's got it going on, and just a real great guy. So hope y'all enjoy this episode, and let's get to it.
1: All right strut south podcast this is episode number 26 and today we have dave owens he's a georgia boy uh he's been in the grand national calling competition for the last several years he um he won the calling contest in 2018 and he's grand national champion um he's got um a project he's working on, a Penhody project, and he's basically just a turkey hunting fool like pretty much all the rest of us are, and uh, so, what's up Dave?
2: Hey man, I'm here, I'm uh, getting to be that time of year, do what we love, we fixing to be able to slow down, breathe deep, and enjoy life for a few months.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what, I am uh, was talking before we started, and Use on your drive to the uh, drive down there to Florida, and uh, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty doggone jealous.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I uh, I apologize for the <laughs> background noise, but we're running about 80 mile an hour down uh, 75 right now. It's uh it's that time of year. The uh, in the morning the bell will have rung and it'll be uh it'll be turkey season somewhere in the nation, and we'll be uh we'll be hard after them until uh. <laughs> well until june so uh my heart is ready my mind is trying to be and my body's just not speaking to me so i'm not sure where i'm standing on it right now but we're gonna we're ready to see what's gonna happen
1: (laughs) i hear you man yeah i'm i am i'm super jealous i'm ready for our season to start i know we got another basically another month and then ours will be in full swing um I'm going to make my way down there to Florida, though, here soon. I'm ready to, I think it's time for me to go down there and get me an Osceola.
2: Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a place like, uh, like none other, that's for sure. I, It bit me when I come down here with just, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of a glutton for punishment, I guess. Anytime I find tough turkeys, I always seem to wander back into that area just to, just to wrestle with them and, um, that was it's exactly the case here the terrain is unlike anywhere in the world uh just can't find this kind of stuff and you can't hunt turkeys in this kind of stuff and these turkeys are pretty pretty ornery pretty ter- temperamental so they're fun to wrestle with so it's a, uh, it's a it's the best case scenario for me
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, there's something about it i don't know it's i think getting on them tough birds it, it makes it that much more special and makes you makes you want to hunt them even more I guess
2: yeah um, I like the uh, I like the grit I like the grit that it takes to hunt these turkeys on public land down here it's um, it's different than you know uh, probably there's a bigger bigger gap between public land Osceolas and private land Osceolas much larger gap than there is say between private land easterns and public land easterns you know. Uh, the terrain is a lot of times the same when you're when you're hunting other birds when it comes to private versus public but in florida uh that's that's definitely not the case the public is and from what from my experience which i've never hunted them on p- private i've just looked at them on private and i've seen them on private and uh i've watched the videos of people hunting private <laughs> but uh but that private is typically it's cow pastures down here and uh and the public is is not cow pastures, I can promise you. So it's a there's a big gap between uh, between like the hunting styles of hunting public land turkeys down here in, in Florida, or at least the southern southern end of Florida, where I like to go, and, and the and the in the, the private land side of things. But um, it's fun, man. It's a it's a disease that uh, that you can't shake, or at least I haven't. There's a lot of people I know that've been down here to hate it they hate the heat and the mosquitoes and the nasty water and snakes and alligators and that uh that black muck that gets all over your feet that you won't be able to wash off for weeks after you leave but I love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think I think the biggest thing for me is it's just it looks like it's some pretty good-looking country down there and I just for me I think that's what I would enjoy the most is getting the chase them through all them pretty woods they got which i know they got some nasty stuff too but that's that's anywhere you go i think
2: yeah and it's a lot of the like i was saying just a second ago the, the public down here can be pretty uh pretty nasty i mean it's thick these birds live in some stuff that that our birds back home would wouldn't even wouldn't even you know consider going through and these turkeys live in it day to day uh water i mean they live in water um they seek out water you know um if it's a dry year you'll you have to find water to find them so you know birds back home it's hard enough to get them to walk across a little spring creek you know or t- jump across the spring creek and these turkeys you know they probably live most of their lives in ankle deep water so it's uh it's definitely a learning curve when you when you jump into this down here if you uh if you've never done it
1: yeah yeah um well we'll we'll go ahead and kick things off um what we'll do first, I'm going to do some, some rapid-fire questions, kind of give people an idea of kind of what kind of guy you are, I guess. I don't know, something and uh, something to make people giggle, maybe. And and a lot of these are going to pertain kind of to the Penhody Project, your show on YouTube, and if nobody out there has seen it, y'all go check it out, and y'all will understand some of these questions. And uh, <laughs> So, all right, quick-fire questions. Here we go. All right, what's um your favorite snack in the woods?
2: oh I guess it's going to have to be cliff bars
1: cliff bars all yeah right. never heard of those before it's just but... uh
2: just a just a kind of a granola protein bar
1: <laughs> oh okay, I do like some granola bars
2: yeah, I like granola bars it's just a it's just a, a specific brand of them things
1: I got you all right um. So, who is, who, who is the snack guy, you or Chubbs?
2: Well, Chubbs is definitely the snack guy.
1: Oh, <laughs> uh, That's good, because I asked that because we got a snack guy. Yeah. And that's what that's his name. Like, that's his nickname, Is we call him Snacks.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Chubbs has a separate pouch that he has wound up in his vest that that has snacks in it it's just it's got some compartments for snacks he's always got some <laughs> peanuts and cashews and <laughs> granola bars and some he'll bring some beef jerky in there these little beef sticks and he'll have can't ever tell what he's gonna have <laughs> all
1: right uh dr pepper or coke
2: oh i'm a water man myself i don't drink drink many dark liquids like that I like a cold beer from time to time but uh I wouldn't even know. I guess maybe Dr Pepper.
1: Okay, that's that's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with a cold beer either, though. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, is a biscuit always a necessity at some point in the morning? A, a,
2: a biscuit is a very, very sought-after item when we have a moment to. Uh, if we have a moment. <laughs> A biscuit is usually on the agenda. Yeah, it's on the to do list, no doubt about it.
1: <laughs> awesome. Sound like my kind, sounds like my kind of hunting right there. Yeah. Um All right. Is it true that Chubbs taught you everything you know he knows? He he taught he taught me everything he knows?
2: Yeah. I only <laughs> took a day. <laughs>
1: you said it only took a day
2: yeah he didn't know enough to take more than a day but yeah he was able to teach <laughs> me everything he knows in a day
1: oh i oh, taught that's him good every, stuff.
2: i taught him everything he knows
1: <laughs> not everything i know <laughs> oh that's good stuff <clears throat> all right last one favorite place to hunt
2: Ooh, that's, that's a tough one man um uh, if I just had to put, it, put you know, I could only hunt turkeys in one spot, they'd probably be back home, North Georgia Mountains, North Alabama Mountains. Uh, so that's got to be my favorite turkeys and favorite terrain.
1: All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, there you go, folks. Those are those are the rapid-fire questions. Now we'll, we'll get into some meat and potatoes. So you got this uh, Penhody project going on. So just kind of explain, you know, what it's all about, how you got it started, all that good stuff.
2: Well, uh I've always traveled quite a bit, or not always, but I've I've started travel. I started traveling probably ten years ago quite a bit to hunt turkeys. Um, just because it's just something that I just really like to do. It's just something that uh I had a thirst for it. Like I had uh like it was uh something that I could never satisfy. It's like no matter how much I went, I always wanted to go more, wanted to go more and that started uh, my pursuit of the U.S. slam, you know, trying to kill a turkey in all 49 states because that was a way to kind of steer me toward new terrain, you know, a place that I hadn't been before, kind of give me a goal to to reach for, I guess, and and I started doing that and and completed that, and uh, and along the way, I'd video hunts when it was convenient around home. Uh, I'd video my brother or some friends when they were in town, and everybody always liked the videos and they were relatable. Um, I didn't do any type of over the top editing and, uh, you know, I didn't sub in any gobbles or anything like that. You just kind of got what was there, you know, some, I guess it was kind of a quote unquote pure, uh, hunt and everybody was always, uh, you know, they, they liked it a lot. Everybody was very, very uh, positive comments and everybody was like, you know, you should video more and video this video that. Um, so this whole traveling thing and hunting turkeys the way we do uh which is kind of a i guess i'll call it a more t- traditional approach uh to where you know for the most part we just hunt turkeys with uh with a mouth helpers you know a call and a shotgun you know we don't use a lot of the uh, modern advancements of uh, blinds and, and decoys not that we haven't before i've hunted turkeys about every way under the sun but um you know we just kind of we go at them uh, a little bit differently than what you can normally find when it comes to finding turkey hunting on TV or turkey hunting on the internet. Uh, It's gotten to where everything was kind of one dimensional. There there was always decoys involved. There was always blinds involved. There was always somebody crawling behind some rubber chicken or something. Um, And that was, to be honest, it was a little bit distasteful. Um, It was kind of making a mockery out of that, game and that challenge and that whole chess match that that a gobbler has the ability to provide you and um you know everybody was just kind of bypassing that with all these crutches that are being introduced um and we just wanted to kind of bring back kind of back to the basics is what we said like what this is the way that you can kill turkeys and the turkey can provide you more uh than what what you're getting out of it with all these crutches you know all these shortcuts um and that's just the way we like to do it you know we we don't I don't look down on anybody for doing it any other way if they want to hunt however they want to hunt it's completely legal then by all means have at it but I just was in fear that a lot of newcomers that may be coming into the sport of turkey hunting may walk right into those type of uh, techniques and they'd be missing the whole picture uh, you know they may shoot a handful of gobblers uh, using those methods and and it not really appeal to them and they go on the, about their way and say, yeah, I tried turkey hunting. It wasn't for me. Um, I wanted to try to provide something that I think is a little bit more fulfilling. Uh, and I think if anybody just sits down, you know, those other, uh, you know, those other tools, uh, uh, and, and, and hunt some one-on-one, uh, use the terrain, you know, use, uh, use what's between your ears, you know, just, uh, you know, battle it out with him one on one. That gobbler has the ability to provide you more. You have to beat him at every aspect. You know, when that when that comes, you know, there's always going to be somebody out there who says, "Well, if that's the case, you shouldn't even use any type of call. You should call him with your natural voice. You should kill him with a slingshot." You know, there's going to be there's going to be uh, you know a line in the sand that you have to draw. You know, there's going to be something, some type of you know modernization of the sport. Uh, that you're going to have to accept and kind of the line that i've drawn that's uh that's comfortable for me is you know a shotgun and and the mouth helpers that i build and (laughs) we go at it from there so the penote project uh i guess to come full circle here and make sure i answer that question you you asked me is uh is we just documented a full season uh everybody thinks that we had this big huge season planned out and penote project's been some kind of uh a mastermind in the making from uh from years ago but it wasn't we essentially grabbed some cameras and went through what was what is no, just a normal turkey season for us um that wasn't something that was overly planned and some type of extravagant season that we planned for the you know that initial year for the penote project um that was just a normal season like that's that's something that we i mean i'm, I'm on my i'm on my way to do it right now you know i mean it, it's just a normal season we've been hunting 70 more or more days now for eight or ten years you know uh, we hunt every day of the season now for for many years um you know we had a we had a fair season you know i would say it was an average season as far as the amount of turkeys we were able to work and get on it wasn't anything that was just blown out of the proportion um it's funny that people say that that's that's just the way we turkey hunt that's how much we turkey hunt and and all of that was going to happen regardless of whether that camera followed us or not. But with the Pinhoti project, that's exactly what we did. We just grabbed some cameras and tried our best anyways to document every single day of, of what our, our what, what my turkey season kind of consists of.
1: And that's awesome. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, and, and I think you can, it portrays that. I'm sorry, y'all, my dog's barking. I'm sitting outside. But I don't know if y'all can hear him. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, I've watched it. I've watched Pinhoti Project a pretty good bit. I mean, it kind of seems that way. I mean, it seems like y'all didn't just come up with this extravagant plan and make it, you know. It, it really just, the vibe it puts off is, you know, buddies going hunting and trying to just get yeah. on birds, you know
2: and that's what we do. I mean, we travel to those many, that many states on average. Um, I think I, I think I ended up hunting nine states last year, which is about, since I've completed the U.S. slam, that's about, you know, that's about, about right for me. Uh, it used to be a few more because I was essentially, you would, you would kill a turkey in a state and you'd move on to the next state. But now, since I don't have any reason to, rush myself or to move on to that next state i'll stay there if they allow me to kill two turkeys i'll stay there and try to kill them both you know try to get my money's worth so um yeah. that slowed me down a little bit i don't hit quite as many states as i used to but um but you know we still still get across quite a bit of turf every year
1: yeah i know i know y'all uh especially on that public land y'all uh y'all be y'all be putting on some miles on them boots
2: oh yeah uh, we boots and bicycles. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's actually one thing I'm. I found a, I found me a bicycle because I I hunt a lot of public land too myself, and I found me a bicycle probably a year, two years ago. Which public land I hunt, it's not near as as big of tracks. I mean, there's a bunch of small tracks, and they're just scattered all over the place. But I'm uh I'm really gonna, I'm really seriously debating on getting that bike going or. I might have to just go buy me one, but yeah it's uh, a
2: love hate relationship. It really helps with like uh I would rather not use the doggone thing in in a lot of the situations we use them in, but it does save us you know just like five or ten minutes when you're rushing out for work or something like that it can be yeah, it can be helpful, but man, it can hurt you in all the wrong places a lot of times, like you. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i i I know I've talked to I talked to friend of ours one time and they were talking about those new um, those quiet cats or uh, e-bikes. there's there's another yeah there's another brand out there it's those electric bikes and they uh, he was saying he said man he said, they'll spoil you he said and, and a lot of times you actually might you know not taking anything away from the, those bikes I mean they're awesome and they're great tools but he said they'll spoil you and make you kind of lazy sometimes and uh sometimes you might ride by a bird and you're not you know you didn't even know it was there and uh yeah
2: it's a i'd love to have one and i'd consider investing in one but like uh a lot of our all the a lot of the public land or state land we hunt reads no motorized vehicles so i would assume they would frown on having them and you know even if it's electric you know uh i would assume yeah. that's that's still technically a motor an electric motor so i would assume you'd probably get probably getting a little hot water if you got caught on every one of those uh trust me right. if i thought if i thought it was okay then i would i'd probably have one because yeah that would yeah. be uh, that saved me a lot of time and energy a lot of sweat equity yeah
1: <laughs> yeah 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 now there's one thing you said that i thought was really awesome i mean and i i do i use decoys but i'm not like one of those i'm not one of those hunters that has to have one every single time Mm -hmm. and i believe with decoys there's certain situations where you might need one and most of the time you might not need one but yeah um
2: it was such a gray area for me um I, you know, you could never tell when you were using it as a tool and when you were using it as a crutch. Like, I and I understand that they're a tool and using the right situations, they can be beneficial. Um, but like I said, I just, I got to where if I killed them with a decoy, I felt a little bit dirty. Like, I just didn't like it as much. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just, I was like, okay, that's it. You know, I'm, I'm, this is, this is, I, this is you know, this is, now, I mean, you know, with kids or something or, or, or you know, uh handicapped somebody that doesn't have the ability to to be fully functional or something or i, I guess i you know i can understand that but right. uh but yeah just for me you know for me it, it just it just wouldn't ride i just didn't feel i just didn't like the way the you know and that's another thing i say i mean if you can however you want to kill them if you can lay your head down on the pillow at night and rest soundly without having to you know without thinking about it then you know i guess it's okay for you but i, I just can't you know
1: yeah yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. I mean, as we all got our, our ways of doing it. And uh, as long as we're having fun, that's all that matters. That's right. And um, and another thing you said, you know, about, you know, kids. Um, and that's one thing. I mean, and like you said, I mean, there's times when you need a blind and stuff like that. But um, I, me and a buddy of mine. His little boy. He's years old now and we're still trying to get him to you know kill his first bird and uh, but we every like every opportunity we get we do our best not to put him in a blind yeah yeah and i mean with deer hunting my buddy he'll take his he'll take his son deer hunting and they'll sit in the blind because i mean let's be honest georgia deer hunting is pretty boring yeah yeah in most places um we got we got some big deer but (laughs) it's it's kind of boring at times but uh with turkeys we we try our best not to not to put him in a blind because we want him to actually you know engage with what's going on and i think there's no better way to do that than to actually be out be in the woods with them yeah absolutely i agree and uh, hopefully, hopefully this year we'll we'll get him one. He's actually been a, l- a little bit too small, but I think this year he's I think this year he's gonna be it's gonna be the year right here. Right, I'm pretty I'll fired up about so. it. Yeah,
2: let's hope so. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, he's man that joker. He practices all the time, and uh, he he gets fired up about getting ready to go turkey hunting. He, my <laughs> buddy tells me all the time he'll be sitting in. He'll be sitting in the living room. He'll have his decoy out there, and he'll get his little toy gun. He'll go out there and call him up and shoot him. Uh-oh. <laughs> that sounds like he's ready. So, speaking of going hunting, you know, um, you're on your way to Florida right now. So, what are uh, what are some of the things, like, kind of what's your game plan of getting ready for the season since you kind of, you know, you hunt all these different places?
2: Uh it's uh just uh you know that's the beauty of behind turkey hunting is you don't have to have a whole lot of junk to do it you know um i've got my vest uh loaded down i'm sure there'll be some changes made and stuff you know there's always that getting situated i'm usually running a new vest this year so there's going to be a little bit of situation you know getting some things situated there uh for the first few weeks but uh essentially i'm one of those guys that has to have a vest because everything that i need to do what i need to do is in that vest and i know if as long as i have that vest on my back i've got anything i'm going to need uh that my shotgun and and, then just a very minimal clothing um we've learned over the years that no matter how many clothes that we pack we're going to end up wearing the same pair maybe two for the whole doggone trip or whole season for the most part you know um a couple pair of good boots and uh apps and determination is all you need to be a turkey hunter
1: so <laughs> i like it i like it um speaking of boots and i'm kind of i'm, I'm going to ask you this just for kind of my personal gain i mean if somebody else out there might get something from it too but in your opinion i ain't, I ain't trying to ask you to plug anybody but what do you th- what's the best brand of boot that you use since how you walk so much
2: uh, Chubbs got me in uh told me I needed to need to get on this crispy bandwagon, uh, two years ago, I guess it was. He had gotten a pair. Um, I had always been just wearing a lot of keen hikers and that kind of thing because I like something low and uh, lightweight. I didn't like wearing big eight inch boots and I can't stand rubber boots up knee high boots, snake boots. I can't stand anything like that, so um, and he got me on these uh, we hunt so many of the mountains and these daggone crispy boots uh, climb so well um, and are really really comfortable boots and man I've been I've worn them now for two seasons I guess and uh, or maybe just one full season I think I can't remember now lose track of time I guess just one full season but anyways yeah i wore them all year last year i got two different pair of them and uh you know they're low you know hiker, hiker type boots and uh full leather boot i mean they're they're nice nice boots and man they uh they really proved well and at the end of the season they looked as you know just as new with a little cleaning up they look just as new as they did at the beginning of the season so i'm looking forward to using them again this year everywhere except florida of course um, but, yeah, that's what I wore 99% of the time last year was one of those two pair of crispy boots and some gaiters, leg gaiters a lot of times to help with water or staying dry and uh, really comfortable and was really impressed with uh, if anybody, you know, hunts a lot of vertical stuff, and we do, um, those boots really really climb well. They got some good soles on them that can, can go up when needed.
1: Yeah, that's good. Because I sure am looking to find me a good pair of boots for uh, for doing all that walking. Because I, I put on some miles, too, hunting this public land down here. Um, and speaking of hunting public land, uh, what are some of the things that uh, makes you want to go and hunt a place? Like, what are some of the things you look for?
2: Uh, it's, it's all dependent on what region of the country you're talking about. Really. Um, there's different, you know, I always try to, what I continuously say is a limiting factor. What is, what do the birds need? Uh, what are their necessities and, and what's an area that they can get all those necessities without covering the least amount of ground, you know? And, uh, that's where I always kind of try to start with turkeys. They got, you know, uh, they don't need more. They need more than one thing. Essentially. They don't need you know, everybody wants to hunt them, you know, around home in these big, huge, pristine hardwoods. And there may be some turkeys in there, but if you get it, those big hardwoods and some mixed timber and some, maybe some short pines and some, you know, open open country, some road beds and some warm season grasses or something, that mixed habitat is where I would, I concentrate. So that's something I always kind of look for when I'm uh, scouting maps and stuff. If I'm looking for a new area, and I always look for accessibility, uh, try to, what I call creative access, try to get into areas that may be, you know, um, a little less used because they don't have a road that accesses them or something. You know, always depend on uh, everybody to, to use those roadways or, you know, any type of, uh, you know, any type of topography that's easy to access from the from the truck is gonna be pretty well used. Um, and if it gets any kind of hunting pressure, the birds will probably be pushed off of those areas. So I look for areas, and that doesn't necessarily mean going, you know, 15 miles in or something crazy. It just means that you know, crossing a creek that most people won't cross, or you know, uh, maybe accessing the property using some drainages and stuff like that, rather than the roadways. You know, maybe it, you know, maybe approaching the same piece of turf that everybody else hunts, but approaching it from a different angle. You know, everybody turkeys are used to you know everybody kind of uh coming in from the north because that's the way the road comes in but if you take that creek bottom and kind of hook around and come at them from the south then uh you know they could be giving them something they don't don't typically see or hear so um, i try to be creative in those access points and look for for areas that are able to accommodate that and also look uh, for ease of. Uh, I like I like to move. I like to cover a lot of ground. So I kind of try to situate myself so that I can cover a lot of ground with the least amount of effort. Uh, what that means is I like to be somewhere at daylight. Um, that's kind of my starting point, and I'll have my my, my kind of my track uh, laid out in front of me before uh, you know, so that I can go from point A to point B to point C to point D, and I can do that without having to you know overexert myself by having to go down in a ravine, up through a canyon, et cetera, et cetera, I could follow this, you know, spine ridge or this creek bottom or this, you know, uh, cypress head or this cypress strand. I could follow it and work it all the way out. And when I get to the end of it, if I'm not at any success, I can
1: hook around
2: and maybe meet up with the next spine ridge, one over, and and call into some ground on the other side of it as I work my way up it that, uh, that I haven't called into from the, from the opposing ridge side or you know creek bottom or, or cypress strand or wherever i'm at you know i try to try to make sure that i, I can cover a lot of ground in a, in a short amount of time if you just go into an area just walk in there and start from there you don't hear a turkey then you're just kind of stuck you're staring at the map go where do i go next and you know if you if you choose an area that would uh you know facilitate that quicker access from point a to point b to point c you can get to more you can cover more ground in a, in the in that short amount of time that you know the turkeys may be gobbling a little better than, than they would be at, you know an hour later
1: awesome that was actually really awesome because you kind of answered the next question i was going to ask was uh hunting public land like tips tips and tricks but that right there kind of falls right into that so can, that was good. You
2: can, Yeah, you can <laughs> yeah, always go off on tangents or rolls. I know because I've got so many different little aspects and avenues of that kind of talk that you can go into. Um, and it's such a broad brush, you know, when you're uh, when you're approaching a map, you know. And, and that's what that sense of excitement I get. I love when I, you know, get a fresh topo map and I still look at a bunch of good old paper waxy topo maps. Uh, it's kind of getting... The thing of the past with onyx and all these different mapping softwares but uh, man i love looking at a piece of ground and just looking at it with a with a with a wide eye i guess kind of not bottlenecked down to any one particular area for some reason i can look over a large piece of ground and start picking out these little terrain features and stuff and you know it's that that same that same desire to hunt the unknown that drove me to travel to all these states and hunt them like i have is is, you know you can still get that same sense of unknowingness and, and excitement you know right there in your backyard because if you haven't been over there then you don't know what's there and you know it's still that that uh that unknowingness that that's exciting i think
1: yeah yeah i agree i love hunting i love hunting new places and i think that's kind of what makes me want to hunt public land here so much and that's another thing I was going to say was, so we're kind of, which you know, I mean, because you live in Georgia, but where I'm at and where you're at are completely different. It's, it's totally two different types of terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, like where I'm at basically from me and south is basically like, you know, plains, farmland, pasture, stuff like that. You don't yep. really get too many. You don't really get too many uh, big ridges, mountain type. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean you got some, you got some pretty nasty hills here and there, but other than that, it's pretty, um, pretty, pretty easy walking. Oh yeah,
2: I've hunted that Piedmont down there quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I'm, and that's like, see, I'm right there. I'm like right on the line. You go any further north, about where, basically where I live. It kind of starts getting into that. And anything south, it's it's just all flat country. Um, But them birds, they sure do like them mountains. And uh, that's one thing I was wanting to hit on. You guys, y'all probably do it a little more in depth, I guess. I mean, I think everybody kind of does it. But y'all really go in depth with trying to figure out how y'all are going to set up on a bird. So, and y'all are always talking about birds being higher, birds being lower, which I think that's got a lot to do with being, you know, up there in in that hilly country. Yeah, mountain hunters. Um, So, I don't know. I mean, it would probably relate down here some, but but I don't know. I mean, but if you could kind of go into that, kind of explain what your strategy is on when you want to work a bird.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're always just uh, we we are a little bit more patient at the roost time than a lot of people are, uh, unless we got a bird super close, because um, we like to kind of take a take an inventory and pick out the bird that we always just try to reason, and that's part of that that whole process, uh, you know, that you, that you go through. I feel like every time a turkey gobbles, if you decide to go after that turkey, there's different phases that you go to. You know, you, you start with finding him, and then he gobbles, and then you listen to him, and you figure out where he's at. Like, uh, why is he there? Um, does he, is, you know, given his location, is he more, is he, would you think that he has hens? Um, is he close to another gobbler? Is, you know, um, you know, what was he doing yesterday evening? Uh, what was the weather doing yesterday evening? Is he wet? Um, is he going to fly down and, and, and be lethargic because it's cold and wet? Is he, uh, you know, is he sound enthusiastic on the limb? Is he gonna, is he gonna be, uh, receptive to some, to some, you know, getting in there and then calling to him a lot? Um, you know, we, we try to answer or at least make an educated guess on all of those questions to determine which bird we're going to hunt or how we're going to approach the bird that we plan to hunt. If there's just one of them, you know, there's all of those questions should be answered all of those questions should be rolling through anybody's mind when they hear a turkey um in my opinion because it, the more of those questions that you can answer and you get right the more likely you are to make the correct move to you know put yourself in a position to kill it um and that's just something that's just kind of like a playbook that we run it's just a you know they don't you know turkeys in the wild any any wild creature does everything for a reason, you know, that they don't do anything for no reason. They don't, you know, they don't just walk through the woods and yelp for no reason. He's just not up there on the top of that ridge goblin for no reason. He's not, you know, they don't do anything for no reason. So you just try to figure out what the reason is that caused them to be where they are and and to do what they do. And if you can kind of make an educated guess through experience usually is the reason is the way you figure those, uh, you know, that the answer to those questions out or what you believe the answer is. And um, the more, you know, the more it's going to basically tell you how you need to set up on the turkey, how you need to approach him, how you need to call to him. Um, and, you know, you can make an educated guess on how the morning's going to go, you know. Um, and that's just, you know, that, that's how I approach every turkey. Every turkey I hear, uh, I look at where he's at, um, you know, and try to try to answer some of those questions. And, uh, and, you know, you start building a relationship with him with every question that you can answer or everyone that you can, you know, kind of make an educated guess at. And what's fun is getting in there close to him and uh, making a good setup that you think is going to be best and then start trying to work him in however fashion that you've formulated. It's going to work. And, and then seeing if you made the right, you know, made the right guesses <laughs> and see yeah. how many of those questions you got right.
1: Yeah. Yeah week i mean i and i do that same thing i mean i i you you kind (laughs) of sometimes i almost feel like i'm it kind of makes you makes you feel like you're not human because you're sitting there worried about (laughs) thinking about all these questions in your head trying to figure out a bird (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and uh you just got to
2: realize those guys have a have a survival instinct i mean they're just there to survive and they get hunted every day of their life like morning yep. noon and night and the minute they hatch there has been something after them to eat them so yep. um we're probably the least of their worries really but still i mean um they so therefore you know that they, they do everything for a reason um so that's you're you're not you know you're not personifying them in uh, in trying to answer questions like what are they thinking but there's some kind of survival factor uh, that put them where they are and, and it's making them do what, what they're doing. Uh, some type of, uh, you know, that instinct to, to, to live has, has placed them to do or made them do what they're doing. So that's what you're trying to kind of reason out is, is what caused them to be there. You know, just some, some, just some examples – is you talk about you mentioned that you talk about us wanting to go after that high turkey um we like to uh just a just an experience thing a lot of times those higher birds are birds that uh, are looking for a hen they may have fewer hens or no hens uh there may be a gobbler that's pushed away from a flock because we found a lot of times you know those hens uh, especially early um, or late or basically whenever but we found that a lot of times gobblers with uh, with hens will be roosted a little bit lower on the mountain uh, because they don't have the need to go high. They already have what they're looking for. They kind of roost a little bit closer in proximity to the hens that they're going to look to meet up with the very next morning. They probably stayed with them all evening, all day, the day before, maybe the whole week, that, you know, that week before. But they have no reason to go high on the mountain. Uh, the birds that go high on the mountain are, are getting up there so they can broadcast that gobble greater distances and attract more hens um that's the turkey that we want to mess with you know that one that's looking for hens that one that's going to be a little bit more easily to manipulate so that's why we a lot of times if we hear you know we hear a couple turkeys and there's one that's a little bit higher on the mountain especially if he's gobbling with a little enthusiasm we're like you know that that old boy right there may be in the right mood he may be the one we want to deal with you know and you know, in a couple seasons, you know, we had a lot of rain, a lot of cold, nasty weather last year. And, um, you know, a lot of times those turkeys, if, if they're in some some pretty dense cover or some steep terrain, a lot of times if they sit on that limb all night and they get soaking wet. You know, they're soaking wet. Uh, their survival instinct tells them to get to some open ground so that they can see uh, because it takes them longer to take flight when they're heavy like that. Um, if a coyote or bobcat or something gets after them, that they can't get away because they can't take air uh, as quick when they're heavy. So we know that they're going to seek out, um, you know, open terrain, you know, whether that be a, a logging road or a field down below um, or something like that. So we try to position ourselves between the two, you know. Um, so that's just some, just a couple examples there of how we may uh, kind of employ some of that reasoning that we're putting into into those those
1: little thought processes we go through as soon as we hear a turkey. Yeah, it's good stuff there. Um, and this, this kind of, I guess this kind of falls into that same thing because you kind of, I mean, of course you're going to let the bird kind of dictate it. But one thing that I've always heard from people and I've hunted a lot of public land. I've been hunting public land around here for probably, I don't know, maybe the past 10 years. And uh, you always hear from people a lot, and they say, oh, you don't need to call to them birds too much, especially on public land. You don't need to call to them, you don't need to call to them. And, um, but my thought is, if everybody's thinking that and everybody says that then that means everybody's going in there and they're not calling a whole lot yeah so and say so i'm completely different i actually call a lot i think i feel like i call a lot more than your your norm you're just your everyday hunter that goes and hunts public land um but is that kind of what y'all do i mean y- y'all kind of let the bird dictate how much y'all call and stuff like that
2: yeah we do it's all situation specific for sure um i like to do basically just enough is my philosophy there i like to do right. just enough um but that being said he's probably gonna hear me before i leave <laughs> um yeah because uh um, you know um if if the small talk is working um then i, 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 I that's all i'll stay with um you know, it, and if you watch the Pinhodi project, you've watched you watched us kill turkeys that we didn't call to. Uh, you watched us call turkeys that we call that we clucked to two times to kill, um, and then you heard us blow our reeds out of them yelpers on some of those hunts. Um, you know, yeah. so it's all situation specific. Um, if I'm challenging hens, if he's got a lot of hens, and I'm challenging hens, or I'm trying to call to a satellite gobbler, or I'm trying to get inside a big flock. We're going to be blowing the calls a lot. We're going to be cutting at the hens. We're going to be raising cane. Um, if I get tied on a gobbler, then I'm probably not going to call much. Um, if I'm dealing with a bird that's acting finicky, I'm probably not going to call much. You know, it's all so specific. You know, specific to each situation. But ultimately, you just got to match what's going on around you. Um, you know, uh, I don't believe in call shy turkeys. You know, I don't, I don't think that's a thing. I mean, if a turkey didn't respond to another turkey call, a, a turkey calling, um, and you truly sounded like a turkey calling, then he wouldn't survive. I mean, he wouldn't be able to breed. He wouldn't know, you know, he wouldn't be able to do anything. Um, so yeah. I don't believe that they become call shy and then run from every call. I, I don't. Now, I've seen turkeys be conditioned to when they hear a certain thing or, or, or approach from a certain direction that they grow wary and they grow uh, nervous. Uh, but that's not because of the call itself. It's because they've had so many negative experiences from that particular approach or that particular area or using that particular sound or something, you know. Um, but, um, you know, my biggest advice as far as how to call or what to call, start low and, uh, and try to match what's around you. You know, if you yelp a little bit and you have a hen cut you off and go to raising cane back at you, if you sit there and do the low muffled stuff, you're probably not going to get anywhere with it. You know, you bet you've got to start matching her and trying to challenge her because then it changes the whole ball game. You know, that you're no longer even no longer concerned about the golfer. You're just calling straight to her. Um, And you've just got to kind of match what's, uh, what's going on around you.
1: Yep, I agree. Um, And one thing that I noticed um, pretty much every single Hunt well not hunt, but every single bird no, I'm still not saying it right. I'm sorry. Every every time y'all get out there and y'all start to call, the first call y'all make, y'all always start with just some clucks and soft cuts. And yeah, I know man. I I do that I do that a lot. And uh, I remember a guy told me one time he said, and then he, you know, I started doing that, I don't know, I mean, I don't know if you guys do this for the same reason, but I started doing it because that guy was telling me, he said, you know, he said, I start out just by doing some soft clucks or maybe just a cut, you know, just pop, 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 like that, you know, and uh, he said, it's almost like it kind of wakes them up, kind of gets them stick your head up and look around and listen and I, mean, I don't know that's kind of my thought process up through that yeah they um
2: it's just kind of like what i was talking about just give him just enough like i want to mm-hmm. give him just enough to provoke him um and if you come right out of the gate you know hammering him with hard cutting and he happens to be right over the hill roll of the hill there from you 60 yards away and you you know, you push your snood back, it's probably not going to be very uh, beneficial for you. Um, so if you can start low and provoke a response from him before you start really getting with it, uh, it's probably going to do you, you know, it's going to be more realistic. It's going to do you better. You know, all I got to do, I, I'll just I just try to say tell guys, to, you know, that, that to be a good turkey hunter, you need to listen to turkeys. You need, need to be familiar with turkeys and how they act and what they do. And I just try to be a turkey, man. I mean, seriously, just visualize what a hen turkey would do. I think a lot of people's problems is they really don't know um, yeah. what a hen turkey would do. They don't know what they do. They they know the calls that they make because they've heard them on TV or they've you know they've heard the calls reproduced by somebody on a call or something. But they don't really know how it's applied in the woods and how a turkey, how a hen turkey acts and what she does as she's just walking through the woods or how she acts or what she says when she's with a with a flock, you know, just doing the small stuff or how she. What she says, or what she, how she may act, if she's looking for company, and she's on the limb about to fly down, they don't know, have a clue about that, you know. And that's all comes from just experience with turkeys, and getting close to turkeys, and you know, um, learning that, and paying attention when when you do have the opportunity to, to learn and learn from them and stuff. And there's a wealth of knowledge out there, man. I mean, YouTube now is full of people with turkey footage. I mean, you can go watch hens and how they react. And like you were just mentioning, like, you've got to visualize that gobbler. If he's standing out there strutting or he's out there feeding or whatever, and you cluck to him a couple times, he's going to be like, you know, he's going to raise that old head up. He's going to look. He's going to be like, man, what was that? You know, was that what I thought it was? And he brings that curiosity level up. Then you hit him with a little, you know, a little yelping or something, and and he's already – He's already in tune, like he's already almost ready for it. And so that more therefore it'll provoke a response to where if you just yelped at him, then it's almost gonna catch him off guard and you're gonna be in that first point where he's like, Man, that what was that? I think I know what I just heard. But then there won't yeah. be anything follow it to to provoke him. Right. Um, so it's just kind of visualizing, you know, you kinda of like, okay, if there's a gobbler over there that you know, if there's a gobbler where I want him to be how is it, how does this need to play out? And that's why a lot of times we'll start with those, you know, the little clucks almost like you said, to get their attention, to get them ready for something to come, you know, and then, then, you know, your next clucks or cuts or yelps or whatever can provoke that response.
1: Yeah. And another thing too, which I, I know I do it a lot. And I, I mean, I probably don't do it as much as I should. I can't remember can't remember what hunt it was but you and it was you and chubbs um it was i think it was gosh which one was i don't know the day but both of y'all were calling and that's what y'all had said it took both of y'all to do all that calling to you know to make it work yeah um, but i noticed what y'all were doing y'all were actually trying to imitate the exact same sounds that the hens were making and what i mean is y'all were actually trying to sound exactly like she did yeah
2: we like to she uh had a, that can that can raise the aggression level of those hens real quick like if she cuts and you cut back at her or if she yelps a lot and you yelp back at her or something um yeah that can definitely seem to trip their trigger pretty quick yeah uh, so we, we, well, a lot of times, yeah, and we'll play off each other for sure, uh, call back and forth. And, you know, when you're dealing with early season turkeys, a lot of times you're dealing with flocks of turkeys and you're trying to aggravate that boss hen, um, a lot of times the more obnoxious, loud, raunchous calling that you can throw at them, you know, a lot of times the better. So um, either try to convince that flock to come in or convince her to come in when, and pull the <laughs> flock or... You know, uh, to you know, satellite gobblers that may may even not gobble. You know, they may uh, just slip in the back door. You watch that happen in um, in Illinois when uh, when Squirrel had his rough day where he missed those two gobblers. That second gobbler we got on that he missed, we got between two gobblers, and there was a hen up there with the dominant gobbler that was just getting with it, and we just I just kept pouring the calling to her. Um, and the satellite gobbler gobbled a handful of times when we first set up, uh, and I just kept pouring a calling to that that hen that was with the boss gobbler, <clears throat> and the satellite gobbler went silent, and you just knew what was going on. I mean, you could you could you could just feel it in the air that he had shut up because he was going to slip in the back door. He wasn't going to keep gobbling all the way to the to the new hen because he didn't want that added. Uh, he didn't want that competition from that boss gobbler. that had probably just run him off from the hen that was raising cane. So, um, sure enough, you know, within a handful of minutes there, that old satellite gobbler, he comes slipping in that back door and squirrels sent him sailing. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody has a rough day.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, we all do. Um, but is that what I know in that, that hunt in particular that I was talking about, um, I think it was a hen. Uh, y'all even said y'all didn't know at first, but it sounded almost like a Jake. She was sounded like a Jake. Yeah, yeah. And um, I that's what that was what made me. It, that's what really stood out to me was y'all actually started trying to imitate. Yeah. Not necessarily what she was doing, but you know y'all were trying to make make your call sound like a different hen.
2: Yeah, yeah, and that's something yeah. I always do. I have the ability to do on on one mouth call, and, you know, a lot of people can do it, is to sound like multiple turkeys on one mouth call, you know, by, you know, calling out of the side of your mouth or calling with your, you know, by dropping your jaw or, or doing something to make you sound like two different hens. And, you know, like I said, when you're calling to an early season flock, more the merrier, you know, try to sound like your own little flock over there, and uh, that's kind of something that we were doing that day there.
1: Speaking on calls you could go on for hours and hours about just calling. And, um, but that reminded me, you know, that's one thing. You never know what's going to work. And it's always good to try to figure out or kind of experiment with different sounds, stuff like that, because you never know what's going to get a turkey fired up. But, and that made me think, got me to thinking about, there was a hunt last year. Me and my buddy went on, and we were always after this one bird. And it was a long beard, and he always had five jakes with him. And uh, he, they stayed together all the time. I mean, they never broke up. It was almost like they were a bachelor group. And um, every once in a while, they would have hens. And if, if they did have a hen, it, it was only one. And, and man, we... <sighs> We beat ourselves to death trying to kill that Joker. And they just, they just, he wouldn't, they would gobble, but they wouldn't come into us. They wouldn't come to calling. Nothing. And uh, I remember one day we got close to him. You could see him out in the pasture. And we were sitting on top of a hill. And they were down in the bottom. And he was out there strutting, and the Jake's were just out there hanging out with him. And at the time now, we only, you know, for about three or four weeks into the season, those were the only birds we'd really been seeing on the whole property, this piece of private land. Hadn't really been getting pictures of any other birds, hadn't been seeing any other birds, hadn't been hearing any other birds gobbling. Well, we were sitting there, and we'd done throwed everything but the kitchen sink at this joker. So I told him, buddy, I said, man, I said I'm gonna, I'm jake you. I'm gonna see what, see what they'll do. Since I this whole group of jakes, and I started jakey up, and, and man, the woods just came alive. Like we heard probably four or five different other gobblers, yeah. not not counting those jakes and that one long beard. And I don't know, I don't know what made them what what made them do it but man it just it woke all the turkeys up yeah (laughs)
0: there was
1: there was turkeys gobbling in every single direction when we we ended up not we still didn't get on a bird and call one in but man it it woke the woods up for about a good 30 minutes 45 minutes
2: yeah switching it up can be a good thing
1: yeah yeah now one thing that I've always seen, I, I see y'all do a lot, and y'all y'all always get in there hunting public land. Y'all get in there early. So, the one thing I've been the most terrified about doing is going in there, getting in there super early with the white. But I see y'all use them a lot. Do you? I mean, which I guess I mean y'all y'all do have pretty good success with it. But I just. I'm always terrified that them turkeys are going to see that light. I mean, I know they're probably up there sleeping, but.
2: Yeah, and we use a light to get in a lot of times, but now when we get close to turkeys or we think we're close to turkeys, that light usually is off. We just usually are going so far in, you know, to to our starting point. uh, You know, we'll use a lot, you know, a light a lot on the way in to there, and I can't video without a light. So. Uh, right. if I try a video without a light, it's just you know it's nothing. you can just get audio, so a lot of times we have to flick you know put a light on to kind of show what we're doing a little bit um and uh and then flick them back off and keep on doing what we're doing and we don't do a whole lot of that because uh usually if um, you know like I said, we'll use that light a light on the way in especially riding bikes and stuff you know we have to have those headlamps on to get. Get where we're going, but once we get to where we, uh, you know, our our station for the morning, then we usually approach that without a light, no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's always. I
2: don't. Yeah, I don't. I saw that's another one of those questions about. I don't know whether you're gonna, you know, what? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if one light's better than another. Red light, green light. I don't know. Um, I just, you know try to go without one if I can, if I need to flick a light. Well I don't use a light much if I'm if I'm in the spot that uh that uh you know that I think I can you know get to get to my starting spot. I usually we're all we're usually without those lights by that point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I remember uh which we did that one we did it last year actually. Man buddy of mine we come We went to – it was on opening day, and we kind of had an idea where the birds were going to be roosted just from recent, you know, past years, experience the year before, and then we'd heard them gobbling some mornings before the season, and uh, we went that evening to roost them, see if we could get them to gobble. They didn't, and that's – I don't know about you, but roosting birds in Georgia is probably –
3: yeah, it could be. <laughs> One of the
1: hardest things yeah, you can do. Yeah, it's
2: questionable, <laughs> questionable effectiveness there a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, had, I've yeah. done it before, you know. And you don't never know unless you're out there, but, um, yeah, it's nothing like out west.
1: Yeah, I know. Well, we kind of had an idea where they were going to be roosted, and I, I told them, but I said, man, I said, and, and the way the land laid, it allowed us to be able to drive, get pretty Pretty dang close to where they were with the truck, and kind of with you know without them seeing them, without them seeing the trucks. So I said, I "So said, man, let's just. I mean, we literally parked the truck and walked a hundred yards, and that's where we ended up killing the bird at. Yeah. And uh, but the land just laid just right, and I said we can just pull on up here. I don't think I said I don't think it's gonna bother them. I don't guess it
0: did. Yeah, I that was my.
1: That was my biggest concern was were they gonna hear the truck or see the truck's lights or once we got out of the truck, you know, open the door, lights in the truck, and all that stuff. But I yeah, I think you can get
2: quite a. I think you can get away with quite a bit when it's still pitch black dark, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and that's like a thing, like what you were saying, you know, would if if a certain lights better or worse, different color and stuff like that. I the way I look at it is. A deer they say deer can see certain different lights, light colors like green or red or whatever it is, but they don't know that it's green, they just can tell that something is being illuminated more than another spot. So I I feel like if a deer can see that and I'm sure a turkey can too, but I don't know. Yeah, just one I of those know. things I, I rack my brain over and I <laughs> Probably no point in doing it, but <laughs> never know the answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, what are some of the uh, what's some of the things y'all use like camera equipment wise? Like, do y'all use like mics and, and cords? All that yeah. Stuff? We try
2: uh, <laughs> when we have it all running. We have a you know we have a main camera that we run with a boom mic or a, or a shotgun mic, and uh, you know we've got a little vlog camera that's that smaller one we talk into a lot. It doesn't have an external mic, which is its downfall. um, So the audio suffers a little bit. Uh, We have some voice recorders will stick on us when we remember them. Most of the time we forget them. Uh, You know, when we um, got some little action cameras, or we're actually adding them to the arsenal this year, a little some action cameras. So, um, you know, we've we've got lenses and stuff pointed in all the right spots, hopefully, but, uh, you know, we try our best, but we uh, all these dang batteries, trying to keep batteries charged and SD cards clean and stuff. It's a it's a headache.
1: Oh yeah, you just you just about gotta have about ten ten extra cards and about ten extra batteries. <laughs> oh yeah, and trying to keep
2: them things yeah, trying to keep them things full cool is them doggone batteries charged is a pain in the neck.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I tell you, uh, one thing you could do, which I don't—I don't, I don't know—it depends on the, depends on the camera you got I, I, with the charging port and all. Um, one thing I know I'm gonna start doing—you can get those uh, portable chargers.
2: Yeah, I've got a for
1: your for things. your phone. I know I'm gonna use those this year. And, yeah, I've uh, got a
2: handful of those puppies.
1: They definitely come in handy.
2: Yep, yep. They can keep your cell phone, and they make them big enough to run a laptop and stuff like that. I just don't know how. I don't know how effective it is or how healthy it is for the equipment, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, it probably does run it down pretty, run the life down a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, we'll go over one one more quick thing. We'll we'll go ahead and start wrapping this up. Um, one of those hunts I was watching. Y'all had a guy come up behind y'all. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he kind of messed it up pretty bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah,
2: we, uh, had, we had we – you always have – you have doofuses every year.
1: Yeah. Um, what is the craziest uh, thing that's ever happened to y'all on public land?
2: Uh concerning another hunter like that
1: well um yeah i would say yeah yeah i guess concerning another hunter
2: uh i mean several you know uh situations just like that one where the i've seen watch turkeys get shot out of trees and uh you know had people just come walk right by you like hey buddy i've been here for three hours and they just like i don't care just keep on walking right past you and you know uh Everybody always says that, but you just always, I'm like, man, did you really have that happen or are you just trying to blow stuff? No, I've really, literally had that happen Can take yes. you to the spot where it happened, you know. Um, had, you know, set up on turkeys and had people drive down the roads and the roads weren't even supposed to be driven on, you know, they were gated and had people drive down them. Uh, you know, you saw that guy this past year come walking up behind us as we were closing in on that goblin turkey and. We was like, No, man, you can't go around us. You're going to bump the turkey if you do. I mean, if you could, just give us some space. You know, there's plenty of turf here. And he completely ignored it and tried to go around us anyways and bump the turkey just like we, we told him that he would. Um, you know, had a guy in Rhode Island come in and tell me that, you know, I, I've been standing there for about an hour. And he came blazing past me and said that, um, you know, I was like, hey, hey. And he, I mean, literally walked by within arm's reach of me. And I said, hey. And he just kept walking and walked up to the little hilltop right in front of me, but say 40 yards away, and I walked up to him. I said, you want to explain to me what's going on? And he had this little makeshift blind, like with some limbs and stuff, propped up against the trees. He's like, yeah, I'm hunting right here. been hunting right here for three days, and I ain't going to not hunt it today because you're here. And I was like, well, it's kind of not the way this is supposed to work.
1: <laughs> um, yeah.
2: You know? He's like, well, you need, to, you need to do your research. And I was like, do my research? Like, this is public land. Like, explain to me what type of research I was supposed to do you know and he's like i don't know you get you get people like that you know and that's just one of the trade-offs to hunt public land you get tens of thousands of acres to roam on but you do have to you do have to wrestle those type of idiots from time to time but you know it's i feel like the trade-off's worth it um in most situations the trade-off's worth it there are some areas that i've completely sworn off of because of the rude and obnoxious people that uh, i've encountered you know it's just uh you know, sometimes it can get plum dangerous if you if you get enough rude, obnoxious people, and it becomes less enjoyable. And, and that's when I just yeah. shy away from it.
3: Yeah, you'll uh, you'll have that with public land, I guess, and that's just some of the things that happens. I know I've got some crazy stories myself. I I've been lucky enough to not have to uh, haven't really come across anybody that's you know really disrespectful or anything like that. Um, I've had some guys come across me once, really the only time, and uh they just kind of went right after a bird that me and my buddy were already on, acting like they didn't even see us. I didn't get a chance to talk to them, but I don't know. If it was, it was kind of crazy, but...
2: Just like anything else, you know, you bump into crazy people in the convenience store, and parking lots and, and you know there's there's gonna be rough folks that you bump into in the woods and some that's not so rough it's just everybody needs to keep a level head and realize that everybody's holding firearms so you know um, that's right. we have i did have a guy down here in florida actually a handful of years ago pull a gun on us and we had to pull a gun on him and there's a whole nasty situation so you know you that's, I mean, that's mm. the same kind of stuff that can happen when you're, you know, when you're walking to the, walking into the grocery store or something. You know, it's.
3: Oh yeah. You got,
2: you got people that are just crazy. You know, it's, it's going to happen in all forms and walks of life. So hunting's no exception. You're gonna, but for the most part, you know, i we bump into. I mean, like I said, we hunted. You know, we hunted seventy-five days last year, seventy-five mornings, and we only had, you know, a couple little run-ins. You know during that whole you know span there to where we had had words with somebody, you know right, we had to turn yeah, we had to turn people around at gates a time or two that you know, but nothing, nothing extreme, you know,
3: yeah, yeah, I mean i that's I mean, I think that's the biggest thing uh. If, if anybody, if y'all, if anybody out there is ever going to go and hunt public land, just you know, just just be respectful and understand that you know that's that's kind of the way it works. It's kind of one of them unspoken rules, or but that's the way it should be at least. I mean, if somebody, yeah. if you know somebody's in there, and they are, especially if you you know they already own a bird, uh, I mean, just be respectful, I man, because they. There's plenty of places to hunt. You can always turn
2: around and go find another one. Yep, exactly. Everybody just needs to, you know, do what you would wish that person would do for you. You know, I mean, that's what I right. always... If you watch the Penhody Project, you watch me walk up on a guy. I mean, right at the crunch time, I mean, right as I was gearing down, ready to slide into a tree, this guy whistles and I look up and he's he set up on the gobbler. I mean, he's had a heck of a setup on him. And I just Tucked and rolled right back out of there. I did exactly to him what I wish that he would have done to me if I would have been sitting against that tree. You know, right? Um, you know, you just try to be, try to treat people how you would want to be treated. You know?
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've seen that episode, um, but yeah, I'll have to find that one, check it out. Um,
2: yeah, it was. Uh, I know. I think it was titled like. Uh, Ethics, something about ethics, proper ethics or something
3: like that. Maybe 58 or 59, something like that. Yeah, and I and that's what I do. I mean, anytime I'm out there, I try to. If I see anybody out there hunting, and and most of the time, when I the people I have come across, um, most of the time they're kind of new to turkey hunting or either they're new to public land or because uh, I'll try to talk to them and you know see if they've been hearing birds and if I've been hearing birds or see anything I'll try to help them out and um, just tell you <laughs> one of, dude, that's my thing is I don't really have many stories of where it was actually bad but I do got one I mean, it, it, the end result was, was not good but it wasn't because of a, a, a bad hunter, or unethical hunter, or anything like that. I met, I met this guy. We pulled a I pull up at the gate, and uh, he pulls up pretty much the same time I do. And I told, I asked him, I said, well, where, you know, where about you going to? And he told me where he was going. And I said, well, look, I was gonna go on past that. I said, if you want, we can just walk together, you know. And, uh, so we get to walking, and we're walking down the road, and this is about a, you know, about, eh, about a thousand yard walk, probably a mile walk, and, uh, he said, uh, we got to talking the whole time we were walking, you know, and he said that he had never shot a turkey, and, uh, he'd been hunting for maybe ten years or something like that, and I was like, man, that's crazy, I was like, I can't believe he ain't never shot no turkey, and, uh, So I got to talk to him. I said, Well, look, I said, What if I just, you know, I said, You, I said, What about if I just sit with you and we'll try to call you up a bird? And I had my camera and I said, I'll, I'll video and we'll try to get you a bird and call you one up. He's like, Man, that, that would be awesome, you know. (laughs) And, uh, so we, and he, he's a real nice guy, super nice dude. And, uh, so we go and we set up in a spot where, knew and have had been on turkeys a lot before so we go and set up we sit there we're sitting there for about 10 minutes we kind of were sitting down doing some blind calling and uh we sit there and the guys we get all set up and everything and i start calling well out of nowhere some hens go crazy off to our right as soon as they do they just they just all of a sudden they just out of nowhere and when they did that, a turkey gobbled on the road that we walked down. And we turned and look, he's hundred and twenty yards from us. Didn't even know he was there. He comes walking in. I didn't even call. And uh I said, Look, I said, he's gonna walk right in between he's gonna walk right in front of us, And hens is gonna pull him over. I said, He's gonna walk right in front of us, so he was a good little piece, he's probably forty yards, he shoots, he misses. He rolled the turkey. turkey gets up, jumps, and runs off. and um, The turkey, we couldn't find him, so we get up. We're looking for him, you know, and we're basically, you know, blood trailing him. We see drop here, drop there, but I think the turkey made it. I think he just kind of boogered it, just nicked him a little bit. And uh, so we, we, about ten minutes has done went by. We get back to where we were sitting at, and I was like, man, yeah, he just, he's just going to have to. Cut that one as a loss, you know, and we're sitting there, another turkey gobbles. Like, super close. It's probably about 100 yards, 150 yards, something like that. So I start, so I called this one in. He comes all the way in, and uh, gives him a perfect shot. 30 yards, couldn't actually, nothing better. Shoots at it, and misses him. And uh, I, I was pretty tore up. Uh, I mean, I didn't get yeah. anything, but I said, uh, I was, I was asking him, you know, and he was just, he didn't, he seemed like he didn't really know a whole lot or he hadn't prepared himself very well. And yeah. I asked him, I said, like, man, what are you shooting? What's your choke? What's your shells? All this and that. And he, I don't think he understood. I think he told me, he said, man, I shot my gun before the season and I had like, 10 pellets in the, in the, in the head and in the neck at like yeah. 40 yards. And I said, nah, I said, that, I said, that ain't, that ain't going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I said, you might get lucky. I said, but yeah. it needs to be a little better than that. And said, but, and I, I told him what, what he needed to do, what I thought he needed to do. And, but I don't know. Uh, I hope he, I hope he got it picked out. I <laughs> hope he figured it, it all simple, out. Man, it was it was kind of tough. It was, it was kind of tough because there could have been two birds that I could have killed. But Oh,
2: yeah. Know,
3: the that's of, a rule the, that of I, of the that's a rule that
2: I put in place. I, I put a rule into place if I'm calling for somebody or somebody's hunting for me due to a due to similar situation in the past to where unless it's somebody that I know, you know, unless it's one of my buddies that I know is prepared for this, they shoot my gun. Like that's the rule that I've set in place sure. where if I'm calling – or if I'm, a, you know, if I'm, a, you know, if I'm calling for somebody or I'm there I'm videoing somebody, unless it's somebody that I 100 percent trust that did the homework and, and that's got their gun set, then they shoot my gun. That's just that's just something that has to happen. If I'm if I'm on the vote the time and try to call a gobbler in for you and try to get a gobbler in front of you and, and we're going we're going to do this thing, then that's just one of the one of the things that I make happen is is they shoot my gun because I know if they shoot my gun that it's you know, it's ready to go. And uh so
3: Yeah, that that is a good uh that's a good rule to have, uh, I kind of wish I don't rule set in place. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
2: uh, I don't I don't play that wounded gobblers game, you know, I keep saying didn't shooting yeah blinding. Oh yeah. It's one thing to miss one, but it's one thing to wound one, and I can't stand. I can't. I can't live with that. So, yeah. You know, if if, if somebody's gonna, if, if I'm gonna be in on it, and then I don't trust their equipment, then then they're gonna use mine because I I trust mine. So.
3: Oh yeah. Yep, I agree one hundred percent. And uh, I I actually did that with a buddy of mine. I took him took him hunting and took him to kill his first turkey he'd never even been turkey hunting and I kind of got him into it and he um he had shotgun stuff like that but he didn't have like a turkey set up and all that stuff so I said look dude ain't ain't no need trying to figure out what you got see if it works I said we just you just use my gun and because I know it'll work yep so. yep. yep but now I, I just wanted to touch on that because I just I want people to realize like I mean we we'll just all be fair to one another, especially when it comes to public land. I mean, because you're gonna come across people, so like you said, just you know, treat them the way that you'd want them to treat you. And, uh,
2: yeah, and it's uh, you know, and it's it's public land, buddy. But man, it can be phenomenal. Like public land hunting can be great um, if everybody just respects everybody else. would there would never be any issues. But you know, greed is a uh, greed is an ugly thing. You know. So uh, that's what, you know, when it rears its ugly head, it, it it shines a bad light on everybody. You know, everybody comes out a loser when that happens. So.
3: Yep. I agree 100%. Well, um, so, Dave, let everybody know where they can find all your stuff at with the Penhody Project.
2: Uh, Penhody Project, is uh, we do our main thing. Our main gig is a YouTube channel. Uh, You can look up Dave Owen's Penhody Project. Any of that should get you over to our channel. You can watch last year's season. And, uh, you know, like I said, it was 75 wake-ups worth of spring turkey hunting. You can go to our website, uh, penhodyproject.com. You can find some t-shirts and hats, decals, that kind of thing. So we got that going on. Uh, you can check that out, and of course we're on Facebook and Instagram, like everybody alive. So you can uh, <laughs> correspond correspond with us through there. But uh, but yeah, we're fixing to get kicked off with the 2019 season. I haven't made any type of official video yet. I've been trying to do it, but it's been I've, I've, it's rained every day that I've had an opportunity for the last two months, it seems like. So I haven't been able to get the cameras out in the in the woods to do any kind of hey, this is what's coming this year video. So hopefully, driving 12 hours south, hopefully I can get some sunny weather that I can actually put something out there for everybody so that they can uh, kind of give everybody an overview on what to expect in the future with the Penote Project. So it's uh, it's coming, guys.
3: Awesome. Yeah, man, i tell you what. Um, like you said with this rain, I, I think, I don't know, man, between the rain and... These temperatures are already getting warm as they get, because I don't know if we're gonna have any turkeys ready, or I think they're gonna be about done with it. They're gonna be done traum by the time turkey season gets here.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: I know, I think they will. I know today, I hope they
2: find us some snorkels.
3: Yeah, because man, I I don't know about you. I, I like for it to stay cold before season starts. But because I know today, man, today it was it was hard to say toenails. Oh yeah, it's uh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I like for it to stay cool. I like for that first week of the season. I like for those mornings to be about mid-30s. That's,
3: that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, Dave, I sure do appreciate you coming on here, man. Uh, I think we covered a lot of good stuff. You bet. About the Ho Project and all that good stuff. But, um, uh, man, good luck on your season. And, uh, Good luck down there in Florida in the morning. Maybe y'all, will yep. lay lay one down.
2: Yep, we're gonna be trying. Uh, you know, good luck to you, and hope everybody out there has a good spring. It's uh, it's upon us, man. It's, it's hard to believe that we uh, we deserve another spring, but it, it's looking like, good Lord's gonna let us have one. So, uh, bar no catastrophes between uh here and there. We'll uh we'll start the spring season off in the morning.
1: Awesome.